Hello, I'm Pastor Daniel Flukey. Welcome to the Sermon Podcast from Christ the King and Living Hope Lutheran Churches. We are congregations of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, located in Port Washington and Saukville, Wisconsin. We believe God's love is for you. Here's our message for this week. The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the fourth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Now, when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee. He left Nazareth and made his home in Capernaum by the lake, in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, on the road by the sea across the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light, and for those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to proclaim, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. As he went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. The gospel of our Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Come, Holy Spirit, and light our hearts with the fire and the joy of your love. Amen. So last week, I know some of you were here, we heard how Andrew and Simon met Jesus. And you can go back and watch online if you didn't hear that story, or read the first chapter in John's gospel when you get home, John chapter 1. The short version is that Andrew was already a follower, a disciple of John the Baptist. And one day, John pointed out to his followers that Jesus was going by, and that Jesus was is the Lamb of God, the one who takes away the sins of the world. And so Andrew goes and leaves John, I guess, and goes and follows Jesus. But on the way, Andrew goes to find his brother Simon, and he says to him, I have found the Messiah. And he does the greatest thing that any person can do for somebody else, introduces him to Jesus. So that was last week. Today, We move ahead in the story, and we switch Gospels, and by this point, John the Baptist has been arrested, and Jesus is now beginning his own public ministry, proclaiming the kingdom of heaven has come near. God is at work. God is on the move. In the small corner of the Roman Empire, he proclaims to this nation oppressed by foreign rulers, to God's people sitting in darkness, God's light is dawning. God is at work. And Matthew, writing this down, frames his message by reminding his Jewish audience of their history. Centuries earlier, in the time of the prophet Isaiah, Israel had been under foreign attack and the situation seemed dire. 
but God acted to rescue them. And now, centuries later in Jesus' day, God is acting again, says Matthew. Jesus is bringing God's kingdom into reality. And so even though God's prophet John has been arrested, even though the empire looks as strong as ever, the kingdom of heaven has come near. And the same, of course, is true for us today, two millennia later, right? As messed up and broken as this world is, I I woke up this morning and read the news and saw yet another mass shooting, this time in California. As messed up as this world is, God's promises are still true. As much as we go against God, sinning and ignoring God's call, God's kingdom continues to break in. God forgives us. God continues to be present in the darkness, present in the midst of the world's suffering, walking with us through every challenge that this world can throw at us. This is the good news Jesus is going to spend his life proclaiming. And in the story today, he calls others to join him in that proclamation, in that work. So one day, Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, and he called two brothers to join him, to come, to follow him, and join in proclaiming the good news. And here's something that I didn't realize. Remember, according to John, what we heard last week, this is not the first time that Andrew and Peter have met Jesus. Some people argue, some scholars argue, Andrew and Peter have two completely different call stories, and that must mean Matthew and John are telling totally different stories, and we should not take both of them as literal historical fact. Perhaps. I don't see reading them, though, why they can't both be true. I don't think they contradict each other. Jesus is making his home in the town of Capernaum by the lake, And Capernaum, I looked it up, is not a very big place. It never has been. At that time, it was around 1,500 people. I've lived in a town about that size. Most people are pretty familiar with each other. You recognize people. You start to know whose car is driving by, even if it's people you don't know. And so I think it's quite reasonable that Simon and Andrew have met Jesus before, like John says they did. They know that Jesus is a local itinerant rabbi, a teacher. He's got a message from God. Maybe they've even heard him around town proclaiming the kingdom of God has come near. Maybe they've heard him some weekend, some Saturday in the synagogue. We know that he's in the habit of speaking in the synagogue. He does that over and over in the Gospels. And so, perhaps it's not a big surprise when they're down by the lake mending their nets and they see him walking by the shore. And this is a normal day for them as fishermen. This is what they do, casting their nets. They're at work. Jesus walks by. And then Jesus changes everything. He says to them, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. And here's the miraculous part of the story. They do it. Immediately, Matthew says, They left their nets and followed him. So on some level, sure, they already knew Jesus was the Lamb of God, the Messiah. Remember, John had told them. They were familiar with him. They'd heard what John said about him. Maybe they were even there present for his baptism. 
But that knowledge didn't really seem to change their lives. They were still doing the same things they did before. And I think that's true for a lot of people in this world, isn't it? Whether you consider yourself a Christian or not, if you live in the United States or really in most of the world, you have heard of Jesus. You probably know something about him. He lived a long time ago somewhere near Israel. Everybody knew, everybody knows he's someone special. Some people even have, I think, good intentions of learning more about Jesus at some point, maybe seeing what faith in Christ has to offer. But it keeps getting pushed down the list. Everyday life gets in the way. We all have things to do, jobs to do, people to take care of. And so faith in Jesus, the idea of following Jesus, becomes more of an abstract concept, something to be observed from a distance, maybe wave at Jesus as he walks by. And I suspect maybe that was true for Simon and Andrew until Jesus called them. Follow me, he invited them personally. Imagine how shocked they must have been. And we don't all know the whole cultural context, but some of it is that following a rabbi, a teacher, being a disciple, is not that unusual, but it's a fairly prestigious thing to do. You do it if you have the ability and if you're special enough to be chosen. It's only for the best and the brightest, the ones who can memorize all of Scripture, the ones with lots of potential. Andrew and Simon are professional fishermen. They had missed their chance. They knew what their life was going to hold. This is what they're going to do until they can't do it anymore. They're going to fish. Probably their father fished. We know the other two disciples, James and John, Zebedee, their father's a fisherman. This is the family business. This is what you do. There's no real deviating from this path. So they don't see how God is going to do anything with them. And then Jesus calls them. And their head knowledge about Jesus moves down into their hearts. They receive a new purpose. They realize the message of hope, the message that the kingdom of heaven is coming, this promise that God is near, it's for them. It matters for their lives, for them. And Jesus says, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. And so Andrew and Simon, and then a few verses later, James and John, they all hear Jesus calling them, and they drop their nets, and they follow. They join in the mission. Now, hopefully, we all know that fishing for people does not mean what this picture is showing, literally putting people in nets, baiting a hook so that we can reel people in and yank them up onto the boat does not mean we're going to go lay out nets in the streets so we can drag people in the church, although if we're thinking in that direction, the snow could kind of help, right? If we, if we don't ever plow, if we sort of smooth, change the grade of the lawn a bit, maybe people can sort of slide in to the building. That is not what we are called to. Jesus is saying that his followers are called to share the good news and bring people to him, invite people to meet him. It's the evangelism word we talked about last week. And the problem I have with this analogy of being fishers for people, or the Sunday school traditional version, I will make you fishers of men. Anyone know that song? 
Yeah. Sometimes people use it to justify any means necessary to hook people in, even if that means filleting and deboning and skinning them when they get here, even if it means promising people things that we know are not true. Like, if you follow Jesus, here, read that psalm we just read about prosperity and wealth, and don't read anything else in the Bible, just read that part. And if you follow Jesus, all your problems are going to go away. You'll be released from your addictions, and the problems in your marriage will be fixed, and you'll probably win the lottery while you're at it. All you need to do is join our church and give your life to Jesus. You ever heard that kind of message? No. We just heard Jesus talk about God's people sitting in darkness, in the shadow of death, and the promise that even to them the kingdom of heaven has come near. The promise that God's light is dawning. But that doesn't mean faith is easy. So let's not mislead people. Following Jesus gives meaning and purpose to life. It means Jesus will be with us as he's promised to be, sustaining us in the trials, walking with us. But it does not automatically mean earthly success or prosperity. Or there are training courses, I don't know if you know this, there are training courses you can buy for evangelism that will tell you all about how to go out in the community and make friendships for the purpose of leading people to Jesus. And that's not any better. Nobody wants to be your evangelism project, to bait and switch. So keep praying for people. We talked about that last week too. Pray for people, invite them to know Jesus, but don't turn them into a project. We all, we all know people already. We have friends and family who need to know Jesus. We don't need to deceive people into friendship for some ulterior motive. And so as I've wrestled this week with this image of fishing for people, can I have some mixed feelings about it? I'm wondering, what if part of the reason Jesus used this image of fishing is because he was speaking to fishermen and they could understand it? And so perhaps part of Jesus' point is that the skills we have are the skills we need, that we don't need to go buy some course. We can, God can use what we have to invite people to know Jesus. And it should go without saying, but you don't need to literally be a fisherman for Jesus to call you. I personally hate fishing. I think much to my grandfather's disappointment. I think it's really boring to sit there waiting for something to bite your line. And the best case scenario is you end up with a fish. <laughs> the reason Jesus calls these people is not because they are fishermen. It's because they're willing to follow. They are willing to drop their nets and go with Jesus on this adventure to join in God's mission. As we sang, they're willing to step out into the great unknown, to walk by faith. And if you have that willingness, God can use you, whether you're a fisherman or a teacher or a carpenter or a janitor or a pastor or a factory worker or a homemaker, whether you're 96 or two years old, whether you've been a Christian your whole life or you've just heard Jesus call last week. In 1 Corinthians, in that reading, Paul says, God makes foolish 
the wisdom of this world. Jesus calls people with no credentials other than a willingness to follow. And I love verse 26 in that letter from Paul. He says to the church in Corinth, Consider your own call, brothers and sisters. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. Basically, none of you are very good at this. You're not the sharpest tools in the shed. You're untrained. You haven't taken the course. In fact, you're kind of foolish. I wonder what Paul would say about us. Too tired, too traditional, too arrogant, too unfocused, too timid. And that might just be me. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, things that are not, to reduce to nothing things that are, so that no one may boast in the presence of God. If we're honest, we know that we cannot take credit for any people that we catch with our fishing. It is all up to God. And God chooses to call us, you and me. We just get to follow and let God work through us. We just get to share our own testimony that in the darkness of this world, God is still faithful. God is still active. Jesus is calling you. And if that sounds like a foolish claim to make in the face of all the evidence around us, then maybe we are on exactly the right track. Bow your hearts with me in prayer. Dear Jesus, thank you for calling us as foolish and misguided and, and incompetent as we can be. Thank you for inviting us not to just stay on the sidelines and observe, but to get involved in the work you are doing. By your Holy Spirit, make us brave, willing to drop our nets and follow to let go of the fears and the doubts and the excuses and all the things of this world that hold us back and to take the step of faith to follow you and proclaim the good news of your kingdom's coming. Be with us on the journey, Lord Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. To learn more about the ministries of Living Hope and Christ the King, to ask for prayer, or to make a donation to support the work we are doing in Ozaki County, you can visit our websites at livinghopesockville.org or ctkport.org, or click the link in the show notes to find us online or on social media. May God bless you, and we hope you'll join us again soon.